When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Quincy Carter and the Cowboys losing to Houston play the old Houston team. Now the Tennessee Titans of Steve McNair. McNair had a day on and off the field. Watch this. Push and then couldn't stop. Oh, man. And he's had the bad back. He leaves with a minor concussion. But he, he would stay in place. He's obviously a tough customer. That, that just looks brutal. Second half, he was back. The Titans led it 10-7. Dexter Copley, the quick linebacker for the Cowboys, hurt. And so McNair goes to his spot, hitting Derek Mason. They hooked up a lot today. 19 yards. But Copley's back the very next play, and he was back with a vengeance. There he is. And keep an eye on Darren Woodson. He makes the hit on McNair. Copley makes the pick, and he could go all the way. 52 yards. How about the Cowboys? They lead 14-10. And you see how much both of these teams wanted this game. McNair was out. He came back. Dexter Coakley here off the tip by Woodson. He comes back running pretty good for a guy with a uh, hip contusion there. Very good. Quincy Carter. Antonio Bryant. He catches it. 44 yards. Later on the drive, a Joey Galloway sighting. Look at Quincy with the lead in the play action. This, he looks like a different guy here. Between defenders for a touchdown to Galloway, and the Cowboys win it. 21-13, they can't beat the new Houston team, so they beat the old Houston team. And, you know, kind of a thud for the Titans after their big win against Philadelphia. Carter threw for 240. Emmett got 59 yards in the game. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Just as soon as we're getting over one game, turn right around, got to concentrate on another. It's Thursday night football, Dallas Cowboys, two games left in the season. This is the real Houston rivalry game, the Tennessee Titans. I cannot wait, and we'll preview it all here on this, I guess, preview episode of About Them Cowboys. It's Monday. It's weird to be doing a preview on a Monday, but here we are to do it. We've got Saad Yusuf from The Athletic back in the fold. From The Athletic as well as Father John Mishoda. Back on your airwaves pretty soon on the FM side will be KT Fun Tweets, a.k.a. KT Fun Radio. KT, by the way, we're going to reveal Saad Youssef's top five albums at the end of this episode, so get hyped for that. Oh, I can't wait for that. I'm very nervous. (laughs) Well, no, don't be nervous, Saad. And after what John did earlier with his top five albums, that's that's your bar right here. Um, That's a high bar. This is high bar. Um, so we got the Titans on Thursday, and uh, a little bit's happened uh, in the playoff picture, not too much in the NFC. First thing I want to do, because when we recorded our post-game podcast Saturday night on Christmas Eve, um, I know we were kind of stringing it together. We were all at different locations. John, of course, was at AT&T Stadium. Sod was right there nearby and was at the game. I was in a car at my girlfriend's house outside the family. We just uh, take it all in. Any immediate thoughts 
Is there anything you want to take back or reiterate from Saturday from Saturday night's podcast just to to lay it all down? Because I know I sometimes feel different three days after than uh, or two days after than than right after the game. I'll start with you, John. Is there anything you want to take back, or is there anything you want to relay down about Saturday night's win just before we get this going? I don't think there's anything I want to take back um, unless there's something that you're thinking of that I said that was just ridiculous. But I can't think of anything that no. I said that I. That I, that I don't feel the same about today. Um, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, man. Like, I just keep thinking about that T.Y. Hilton catch-ups talking about today with a few other reporters. Like On third down. That's just one of those plays that, you know, if this season goes in a direction where they exceed uh, where they've gone in the postseason before, let's say get to an NFC Championship game or get to a Super Bowl, I just think we're going to talk about that play a lot. And then the other part of it too is if all of that happens and T.Y. Hilton is a major part of the team or a major part of like the offense, which could certainly be the case. He was out there for 12 snaps uh, against uh, um, the Eagles on Saturday, but I could see him. I mean, he was averaging a little over 30 offensive snaps a game for Indy. I could see him getting to that level. And uh, I don't know that that play is just, I got that one stuck in my head. I was, you know, what what other play from this season really stands out? If you're if you have like one play to kind of, I mean, obviously the fumble recovery touchdown that that Micah had um, against the Bears, you know that that's a play that stands out. There's a couple of bad plays that stand out. Dax interception mm-hmm. near the goal line against the Texans. I was like, man, this just looks bad. That was just awful. <laughs> uh, Dax pick six against um, the Jags. You know things like that. But I'm like, if this ha- ends up having to be a team that goes pretty far in the playoffs. I don't know, man. I just, where that game was and third and 30, the fact that they convert on that, I I kind of think if they don't convert on that, even looking back that they don't win that game. I really think that that play was that big. No, I think that, I think that was, I think John's spot on when you think about the full season, I, I guess I didn't really think about it that way until you just mentioned that. But like when you, when you look back, I can't think of one play that really, of course, there's some recency bias that's fresh in all of our minds, but uh, I can't really think of one play. The only play that really comes to my mind, uh, but again, this is so much earth, way earlier in the season. It was the, on that first drive when they went for it on fourth down against the Bengals. Uh, I thought that was yeah. a really game changer type thing. I think the Cooper Rush completed it to Noah Brown on that drive, but it was like fourth and five at like midfield. I thought. You know, for that game, that was a really big play. But again, that's week two, so I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but they won that game twenty to seventeen. It was really close. That's the only other play that I can think of on a positive note that really stands out to me. Uh, Micah's sack, sack fumble to start the game in Minnesota. I thought that that was the start of okay. what was their best win of the season. But really, since that game, the defense hasn't been on a level for me to sit there and point to that and go, "Look at that! Look at that!" It's like these last two games. Those are two of the worst defensive performances this defense has had all season. So it's hard for me to sit there and put too much on, on that play. Whereas with the T.Y. Hilton play, again, like you're coming off the Jags loss, you know, just the bad taste that would be in your mouth to lose back-to-back games, losing to the Eagles in your place, their backup quarterback, and just the way that game was going, it wasn't great. And it wasn't like that play happened in the first quarter or even the first half. It just, I thought it was in a big moment. So, um yeah, when I look back on that game, I thought it was big in the moment, and as I've looked back on it, I just I don't know. I, I, maybe we didn't talk about it enough. Well, it's so easy in the moment because there's another play coming in 40 seconds or less, right? So you just like things happen a lot, and in games like that, 
you know, there are certainly games every once in a while where you could pinpoint the five plays that mattered and move it on down the road. In plays like that, there's a lot of back and forth going on. And um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's something I I saw was watching the replay of that today this morning. And I was like, yeah, I didn't spend enough time on that. I was also battling a bad Wi-Fi connection on on Saturday night too. So maybe you're fighting all that in the moment as well. But uh, great win. And uh, now we can move it on. I want to start uh, – well, there's a few places. Injuries are, are obviously important. Uh, do you have the latest on Sam Williams uh, while we start there? I know we didn't talk about that the other night because, you know, that was something that kind of developed later in last week. Um, think he's okay? What do you think his status is uh, moving forward? Or, or what do you know so far? Again, we're recording this on Monday, so a little early in the week. Yeah, so we got a chance to talk to him today for a few minutes in the locker room and He's got four uh, pretty noticeable scrapes on the right side of his face. I mean, it's pretty clear. If you if you didn't know he was in that car accident, you just walked up to his locker room like, hey, Sam, I want to talk to you today. And you saw it, you'd immediately, the very first question you would ask is, whoa, what happened to your face? Because it's very noticeable. Um, he said that he thought he could have played on Saturday, but the uh, athletic trainers ruled him out just because of he had some concussion symptoms. But he's doing fine today. He anticipates playing Thursday. Um, and it just feels very fortunate. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the pictures, but it was a, it was a pretty bad wreck. I mean, his car, his car looks totaled, uh, the Corvette that he had, and he had just gotten it, I think the day before he said, and, and, uh, you know, just this time of year and, uh, that type of an accident, you could tell it it hit home with him and, and just thinking of the magnitude of it, you know, uh, there was multiple people, I guess, around, uh, the accident after it happened and said, like, I can't believe you even survived it because it was that nasty. Um, and then the fact that the woman in the other vehicle sounds like she's fine too. Um, yeah, pretty scary stuff there. A lot more serious than I thought it was when I first, you know, saw that Sam Williams had been involved in a, in a car accident and that it didn't, it, I don't, I, I can't remember what the first tweet I saw, but it was something about like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't appear to have serious injuries or whatever, but it was going to go to the hospital on precaution or whatever. I was like, oh, it's probably just, you know, probably rear-ended somebody or something but i mean there was just pieces of that car everywhere all over that that road that had to be closed down and that so he's very fortunate um everybody involved very fortunate that it wasn't worse than it was but uh yeah he i expect uh he'll, he'll play on thursday well that's definitely good news and and it's uh yeah i mean the car as you said just just brutal uh Leighton Van Der Esch, probably wait until the playoffs, I would imagine, John. Uh I mean, what's the you just want to take a chance with him with his injury history. Maybe if it's someone else, maybe they run out there. We've seen a lot of Mo, uh, Damone Clark uh uh lately. Um and obviously uh, maybe at times what might feel like too much Anthony Barr. Um, but uh I would assume nothing on Leighton Van Der Esch. I don't see him playing on Thursday, potentially come back for the Washington game if they just want to knock off some rust before the playoffs start. But I think it just seems like everything's pointing towards Van Der Esch and Hankins coming back for the playoffs. Uh, so I think that would be uh, that that seems like the most logical thing right now. And then even with an Anthony Barr, if you're in that Washington game and, you know, you get any any chance to rest him or Demarcus Lawrence or Micah Parsons, I think you got to kind of do that in that game, especially if there isn't a lot of meaning behind it. Uh, against Washington, but uh, in terms of this game on Thursday, there ain't going to be any, you know, resting anybody and being precautious or anything like that. I mean, they're going out to try and win that game because, let's be honest, you know, they win that game, they 
turn on the TV this weekend and see that the Saints beat the Eagles and all of a sudden it comes down to that final week, then uh, then all hands are on deck and for that sure. final game because you got a chance to you got a chance to win the division. So um we'll see how that goes from there. Um was wondering your guys' thoughts on we were talking before we started recording here about those games uh last night or on Christmas Day, I should say, but uh particularly the one last night with the Bucks. You guys nervous about the Cowboys playing the Bucks in the, in the playoffs out of those NFC South teams? And just what are your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, nervous is not the word probably, but I just like – I think that's that the conversation is we know it's going to be someone from that division. So wouldn't you just rather it be the Saints or the Panthers? And the Saints have a good defense, you know, but I mean, I, I'll take my chances against Andy Dalton or Sam Darnold than Tom Brady. It's as simple as that to me. So like – it's never even like, because I know it's like the, the, the conversation sometimes I've, I've had this with some people and they're like, the Bucks are terrible. We've given them four months to be good. And I'm like, yeah, everyone knew they were going to come back and win that game last night when it was 16 to six, because that's what Tom Brady does in killer moments. And I just like, I don't want any part of that. And I get it. They're not the same thing. I just, why would you want to mess with that when you could mess with the Saints or the Panthers? That's where that conversation goes for me. Yeah, I think I think for myself too. It's just the Tom Brady factor. He's never lost against the Cowboys. I don't know if that has any like mental, you know, boost to it at all. But it's at home in Tampa. Um, I, you know, I think I think if you're going to pick one, I, I would rather play the Panthers more than anybody. Then you do the Saints because you know Saints at home. That's still going to be a rocking environment. Now they did go up to Minnesota and you know and take care of business in a really hostile environment there as well. But uh, but yeah, I think Tampa would definitely be number three. This this feels this feels similar to uh, last year a little bit to me. Remember last year down the stretch, you're just like and just not San Francisco, not San Francisco, and then it end like it was between San Francisco and Arizona, and you're like, well, take Arizona. You don't want San Francisco, and then it ended up being San Francisco, and it went that way. So uh, not ner- but, but like I've watched pretty much almost every Bucks game or I think most of the Bucks games, they're just not so a good that. team. <laughs> yeah, they're not a good team, man. Like it is it is I, I understand the Tom Brady factor, but that team is not good. And if the Cowboys did play Tampa, like the only Tom Brady thing scares you, but they should they should win that game for sure. Feels like your Packers might back into the playoffs here, KT. What's going on there? Gonna need a little help from uh, Washington. I don't think the Giants are gonna lose. So if the Cowboys beat, yeah. So if the Cowboys Cowboys sit somebody, some people last week, and Micah's not playing, and Tony Pollard's not playing, and you know, absolutely a world where the Cowboys could help keep the Packers out. Uh, I think it goes to what in the world's Washington doing at quarterback. I mean, they put Wentz in at the end of the game. Uh, not exactly inspiring a lot of confidence there, whether it's Wentz or Heineke, to be honest. Like it's Cleveland, and then Cleveland's been eliminated. So, like, I don't know if Cleveland's going to put up a fight against Washington this week, but that's going to be a, one of those fun noon games to see if a team actually cares or not. Because if Cleveland cares, they can absolutely beat uh, Washington. Um, but I don't know how much they're going to give a crap or not. So that, that, that's definitely interesting. I think the Packers are going to have a hard enough time beating the Vikings and the Lions. There is something to what happens this time of year with legendary dudes like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Like I, the football I gods might Minnesota, put him in. 
And I, I think Minnesota's got something to play for now. I mean, it's another thing, another way the Cowboys have kind of uh, cornered the Packers a little bit. Not that that should even be a conversation point, but is that, you know, the Cowboys winning that game against Philadelphia. Philadelphia's got to go win, you know, and uh, there's a little scuttlebutt about Jalen Hurts maybe giving it a go this week. But the Eagles need to go win. The Vikings have a little something to play for. If they win their last two and the Eagles were to lose two, again, the Eagles have the tiebreaker on Minnesota. So uh, beating them 24 to 7 earlier in the year. But there's a, a little bit of interesting moving around. I was. I was watching that Sunday night game last night, and I was going, "Man, if Tampa Bay loses, I mean, I you would have had to. I I wouldn't have believed you. You're telling me that Tampa Bay and Carolina are going to duking it out in Week 17 for the conference title, because that's what happens. And then Tampa Bay came back and won, but Carolina could still be the four. How great would you feel compared to last year? How great would you feel going into Carolina to play Sam Darnold? Oh, my God. We'd be looking yeah. ahead. Yeah, because they went for over 300 rushing yards against the Lions. But even with the Cowboys rushing game defensive issues, I think with Hankins back and Leighton back, even if they did go off, we'll say they go for a buck 50, buck 75, I still think the Cowboys win the game by two touchdowns. And that's if they, their running game went off. I just don't see yeah. them doing putting together enough big plays to, to beat the Cowboys. But no, I just, I'd be very surprised if it's anybody but the Bucks. And um, frankly, I don't know. I think they should, I think they should play the Bucks and have to go through Brady. I think that they'd get some momentum off of that, finally beating him. I think that would be good for the team. And I also don't think that this Bucks team is anything close to the way that that Niners team was last year. So I don't have the same feelings like, oh, geez, how do you get past them? You go ahead and lose that Bucks team then. Well, that's your own fault. You shouldn't have been in the playoffs anyway. You go yeah. knock off Tom Brady, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy. I mean, that is the that's the way to the <laughs> NFC this year. I hey, I will say though, yesterday while I was watching the game, uh, I tweeted out uh, there. It, it seems very hard to see the Cowboys losing to this Bucks team. I just tweeted that. If you want to laugh, just go look at the replies and the quote tweets to that. This fan base is so traumatized. It is. It is. It is not even funny. They're just like. There's like. Nobody has any. I'm watching the Bucks game, and, and I tweeted that before the comeback. So they're down like 16 to six at that point. Man, the, the Cowboys fans have absolutely no faith. No matter, they just beat the Eagles, and there's just absolutely no faith that they could do it. I mean, your most lopsided loss this year is to them in your building. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like the, it's not like I looked at that Bucks team. I was like, yes, yeah, but it's way different. That Bucks team week one was just so low. No, it's this. Pretty much the same thing, you know. They're not. Yeah, but the Cowboys are so much different. Nineteen to three. As yeah, in but better? the Cowboys are different. Yeah, I think they're better. Okay. I think I, I think Dak at, at at minimum just looks so much better than he did in that in that game. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that Mike is in better shape than he was in that game. That's fair. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel that way. Um, well, the the other thing I say is like the Cowboys have already lost to a bad team. And a team that gives you like some traumatic feelings looking back at the past. When the Cowboys lost to the Packers, it told you they're not ready to start steamrolling teams. And that was yeah, and I can and that and that's the path that that the Bucks to beat the Cowboys. That's how it would go. Would be like that Packers game where it's like yeah, at one point the Cowboys would be up on the Bucks by two touchdowns, and then they would do something to let them back in the game, 
And then that's when all of a sudden everybody in the building has that feeling like mm, you don't want to keep Here giving go, Tom yeah. Brady chances, just like you don't want to keep giving Aaron Rodgers chances. And then boom, there you go. You know, and, I, and, and particularly why I can understand the PTSD, too, is just because of where we're at right now in terms of you're really counting on Nation Wright, you know, on that outside now. Yeah. And you know what's going to happen if Tom Brady goes up against. The, I mean, he's going to throw at Nation Wright all day long. Well, God love him. The Cowboys just – I'm not sure that they deserve some like super benefit of the doubt to going to go into Tampa Bay and just crush them. Like I'm not sure that I see that yet. So, I mean – Yeah. And you know what? You can say the I same thing I think the Cowboys about, would win. Don't get me wrong. But I can understand where well, people are coming from because of the fact of – I mean, heck, just look at that game yesterday. Like, yeah. you know, Bucks are just playing with their food, playing with their food, playing with their food, go down 10. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now, now they just march right yeah. down the field. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they're yeah. – yeah, and then here they go. So there is a little bit of that playing to your competition, you know, that, that I see there. Same thing about Minnesota. Like Minnesota, to me, has not proven that they deserve the benefit of the doubt that they could go into a, a lesser opponent that is a playoff team and just, you know, stop a mud hole. Mm. I just don't mm. – I don't know. And, I don't – you know, and, and, and clearly we don't even include Washington and New York, the other two likely playoff teams. We don't even include them in these conversations because we don't take them seriously at all. Yeah, Which is and fun. <laughs> yeah, and KT, one thing that I'll say, and, and we'll we'll probably get into this more in a couple of weeks when we're previewing the playoff game. But the the one thing that more so comes into play in the playoffs for me than even in the regular season is the game management aspect of it. And I think we're gonna shine a brighter, brighter spotlight on Mike McCarthy and the game management because we've seen this against Brady. All the time, teams just uh, teams just seem to lose their s against Brady, where they start doing weird things at the end of games, calling weird plays and and botching weird situations, and then they kind of let him get back, give him a chance. They never, I, I don't know if it's just the aura or what it is, but I think game management is going to be a lot bigger of a factor than just the straight up talent that you have on the field um, come playoff time. There's no doubt about it. Uh, before we start looking uh, a little bit at the Titans and, and what's in store for the Cowboys down the road here, uh, news down the wire a little bit earlier today that the Broncos get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. Um, is that the most disappointing coaching tenure we've seen in the NFL? We've seen a lot of disappointing ones. Um, I actually don't think Nathaniel Hackett deserves everything that was put on him, but some of it, absolutely, um, but not everything. I actually think he's a decent offensive mind, but that is really brutal. Four and eleven, and you're gone. Uh, I don't know if you guys. Not sure it's worse that. than the Urban Meyer situation after the athletic. Oh, yeah. Brought some some things to light about what happened there, but we were talking about this off the air, uh, producing our athletic football show earlier about could the Russell Wilson trade end up being the worst trade in NFL history. That's that, that's to me that to me that's the thing that before I, I before I answer the Hackett question would be yeah. like I, I need to see someone else come in. Is Russell Wilson still just as bad when you know I saw John put out odds that Sean Payton was the number one favored to go? If Sean Payton goes there and revives Russell Wilson, then yes, then the Hackett thing is terrible. But if Sean Payton goes there and Russell Wilson still looks like crap, then you know I, I'm with Kent. Then like I I don't know how much Hackett could have done. Uh, because it sure seems like the Seahawks who who decided, you know what, goodbye, and we're going to roll with Pro Bowl Geno Smith. Like I think that tells you a lot about what they felt about Russell Wilson. And so 
that's where I kind of struggle because Urban Meyer was just a complete S show from the beginning. But uh, but I think with Hackett, let's see what if anybody else gets anything out of Russell Wilson. Otherwise, it's not that Hackett was the worst coaching job. Then then it goes back to what Kent said. That was probably the worst trade. So so Denver jobs open the. Arizona job, I would imagine, is going to be open. We'll see what happens there. The Rams job will probably stay unless McVay bails on that. And I'm not sure if anyone's going to be rushing to get involved in that salary cap mess. If you start looking at some of these jobs that are that are open, a lot of Sean Payton news the last few days. Um, and then there's a, even the report that he's already gotten with Vic Fangio to say, hey, run my defense, bro. Which that'd be wild if Vic Fangio went straight back to Denver. Um, I know that we shouldn't be talking about that stuff regarding Mike McCarthy until we uh, get through the playoffs and see what happens there. But how can you not? I mean, Jerry's kind of brought this discussion on himself. Mm. Um, but this is, I mean, Sean Payton appears to be ready and willing to coach next year. Or am I reading that wrong, John? Sorry, I'm looking up uh, different awful trades. Um, what'd you say, sir? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think how about many the Trent Richardson trade. Up? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, How many first-round picks were given up for yeah. Russell Wilson? How many first-round picks for Russell Wilson? Two. Two? I think four for Herschel Walker. Yeah, yeah. for a running bad. back. Well, a different age. But wasn't Herschel Walker were... Wasn't he Fine. good for like the first couple years, though, in Minnesota? I don't know. You have to yeah, at least look at saying, like, they, like Russell, Russell Wilson has never been good for Denver. Yeah, but it, but it's like good for Denver, but he was good at some point. So, I mean, you got to factor in that logic, too, because you could also look at the Ricky Williams trade where you're just like, look at how much they gave up for Ricky. The Saints did for Ricky Williams. You had never even seen Ricky Williams play. Russell Wilson. I mean, I don't know. I just look at it as like, well, if he didn't go there, he was going to go somewhere. Somebody was going to give that up. It wasn't like they just they just got the Broncos, you know. And I also think that you have to look at the two sides, how bad Russell Wilson has been, but then what happened on the other side. So, like, if you look at the Herschel Walker trade, like, that, the Herschel Walker trade, even if he was kind of good in Minnesota, it launched a dynasty on the other side. So, I think, yeah. you know, that like that's that, that also factors, and that has to always be just the worst trade. So, Let's see. The Raiders gave up Randy Moss to the Patriots for a fourth. You know, then Moss went and tore it up for New England, but that was more about having a quarterback, This is right? what the so. Seahawks got for Russell Wilson, though. Okay. Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant. This, this drafts first, second, and fifth, and then the following drafts first and second. So you throw in two extra seconds and a fifth Jesus. in there, too. That's a lot. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's see what those, yeah, let's see what those players end up being, too, because I know – the Cowboys ended up drafting Hall of Famers with their with their uh Herschel Russell Walker. Wilson's basically gonna have to just be like Pro Bowl level, all MVP caliber to turn this narrative around next year. He really does. Yeah. Which I mean, it's probably not gonna happen. It, it definitely looks bad, <laughs> but you know, things did snowball really quick and looks like there's some infighting and things like that. A new head coach could save that. Now, probably won't. But a new head coach could hypothetically save it. And that's right. I was thinking like, Sean Payton's probably not going to go put himself in a position where he has to work with someone who he might know that you know is done, right? But mm. I do think there's like a, it's just, it's interesting. Like, it's you know, reports happen this time of year, right? Things get going. 
there'll be a, a few more games that don't matter, right? So some stuff might just be thrown out there, but that the idea that he's already gotten Vic Fangio ready to go and things like that, I mean, those are at least enough to make you start thinking a little bit. I I think the Cowboys would love to have Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn coaching their team next year, right? That means good things happened. Um, means good things happened in the playoffs this year. But Wait, all if they're both coaching? Is, there's well, no, no way Dan on, Quinn on is still here. If yeah, things go well in the playoffs, there's zero chance. Zero, not even 1%. There's zero chance if things go well in the playoffs that Dan Quinn is back. Yeah, I mean, he was number two on that list for the Denver job after Sean Payton. So. If things okay. go that well, you know how teams are. Especially if, like, let's say they got to the Super Bowl. You were that good of a defensive coordinator. You got the Dallas Cowboys of the Super Bowl for the first time since 1995, and there was already a lot of hype behind your name before. Like, and I don't injuries. see how. Yeah, I don't see how he wouldn't end up somewhere also, as a head coach. It's, it's also a league that doesn't like to hire defensive head coaches too often, and I wouldn't say that he's. Let not me even roll the most it back coveted. here. Let me roll it back here real quick. Let's let's get even crazier. If Rod Marinelli would have been the defensive coordinator and the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl, Rod Marinelli, who went 0-16 with the Lions, probably would have got interest as head coaching again. Yeah. No, I'm saying, I mean, Quinn. I'm just telling you right now, the momentum and craziness. Like The Cowboys are already on TV about every little thing that happens. If they put together three postseason wins and get to Arizona in the Super Bowl, the crazy, craziness will be so absurd that I would almost be on telling you that I think both Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore would both be gone. Because that they would be at right at the top of the list of, yeah. of what other they'd be like, oh wow, you can do that in Dallas after they haven't done anything since 1995. Yep. I mean, I think you're underestimating you can, the craziness. No, 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 no. I well, I I think I'm on, I think I'm probably in the boat of I don't really see them going and winning three straight games. And no, I mean I, I don't necessarily but, either. But you said if they do, you, you know, you see Dan Quinn and, and Mike McCarthy both being back, and I'm just like I I really don't, man. I think Dan I think Dan Quinn's gonna be one of the top two or three names as is right now in head coaching circles. Let alone if they were gonna get to the Super Bowl. Um, maybe I mean he's not even the the probably he's probably not the most coveted defensive guy, and D'Amico Ryan's probably has that right now. Um, that could change. Do you know that for sure? No, I don't know that for sure, but it feels like it's probably leaning that way. But I guess if you go oh, play you talking 40 about, against oh, the 49ers in the playoffs, that could go away real quick, right? Oh, so just like how Eric Bieniemy is going to get one of these jobs? How many years has that been going? Oh, no, he's definitely not. You know, I, I mean, am, I'm just saying you just never know. Like, a lot, like whatever's the hot candidate at the time that, you know, might be the one that's most talked about. Like, outside of Sean Payton, I think Dan Quinn, if, and again, I'm going on, and they have postseason success for the like success they haven't seen since the mid 90s. Sure. I just, I, you can put Dan Quinn up there with everybody outside of probably Sean Payton. He'll, his interest will be ridiculously high. Don't you still have to trade for Sean Payton still? You still have a year left on his contract? Well, yeah, I mean, he'll go to a team that they'll be willing to do that. So if the Chargers happen to freak out and it not work there, he'd probably love to go there, right? Right. If the Chargers were to crater like they, that they do sometimes. We'll see how Monday Night Football goes. Um, the Broncos, I think Cardinals. I mean, the whole I him teaming back up with the whole him teaming up back up with Vic Fangio makes Denver seem unlikely to me for for Sean Payton. I agree. I agree. It's like where it's not like there's a million jobs available. Maybe maybe there will be a team start pulling the trigger down the stretch here. But like, I don't know. It's not. It's not like it just like jumps out at you like, oh, here's a bunch of places. But I, I don't know, maybe teams would fire something that they might see tenable already and go bring something in. Just thought yeah, of another I mean, trade. You, the David Johnson all, trade is insane. 
DeAndre. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That that was where they've been but, since then. <laughs> but but I think but I think you gotta also wait for like Black Monday. It's not always just going to be like midseason firings. By the way, the Colts job is going to be open. So um, so there there's another one. But but yeah, I think I, I think you do have to wait until the dust settles because I think there will be some some more firings after that. But like like John said, look like Dan Quinn right now is. You know, just on these odds list for the Broncos job, he's number two. D'Amico Ryan's is number five. So, um, just just by odds, I think he's already kind of you know a, l- a little up there. So, okay, all right. Yeah. Cowboys fans have seemed bit up in arms at Dan Quinn the last couple of weeks, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I don't know. They seem pretty banged up, and uh, they'll get through it. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Uh, I would like to say I'd like to send out one apology to one listener. Um, if we came off a little negative uh, right after the game <laughs> Saturday, I will just tell you, I thought if you listen, and, and the guy did apologize. He's a very nice listener. I appreciate it. I appreciate this feedback. He said, after I listened to the whole thing, you're right. You actually got to a lot of the talking points. The t- first 10 minutes of our podcast on Saturday night was full of uh, chaos and Wi-Fi issues. So maybe that's why I was negative. And I would like to take full accountability <laughs> here. Uh, put this on me. We're not going to put this on the refs. We're not going to put this on anyone else. This one's on me, okay? So we're good. We're moving forward. Thursday night's going to be tough. I don't know that it, – look, you don't – A, I don't think you want a game on a short week ever, um, but this late in the year doesn't seem like a great plan. It's not going to be freezing like it has been, but it's going to be 40s, maybe low 50s um, in Nashville on Thursday night. Tackling Derrick Henry is already something that's uh, not fun, and then you add the cold to it, not a lot of fun, and if you're banged up. So I don't think you could drop a worse situation on the schedule in terms of, uh, you know, like just all of it (laughs) put together. But. Oh, I could think of a worse situation. Uh, The game mattering a lot. Tennessee being good. Oh yeah. Like, oh, let's say course. Tennessee was the, the team that they've been for the last few years. You know, that's really bad then. You know, let's say that they got, you know, 10 11 wins right now that they very easily could. But you look at them, they just lost to the Texans and the Chargers and the Jaguars and the Eagles and the Bengals. So they haven't won since they beat the Packers on November 17th, is that right? And they looked about as good as any teams looked in the NFL this year in that game. Um that was the Titans playing Perfect. Tannehill being good, which you don't see every week and haven't seen every week over the last three years, by the way. But like that was the that was their like that team is tough if they play like this every week and they don't play like that every week. Malik Wills uh Malik Willis is not ready, clearly. Um he does not want to run ever, it seems as well, which that's been kind of an odd thing. Um but he is looks just as or more uncomfortable than Zach Wilson throwing the ball. They don't have a ton of weapons on the outside. So, you know, focusing on the run game, you know, you'll, you'll know the game plan for stopping the Titans. I, I don't know why I just have bad memories of like the Cowboys struggling in cold weather. Uh, but maybe I, there's a cold weather game that y'all could just fly in front of my face to make me like get off of that. But I've, I think I probably say this every year. Or something about that game that requires you to buckle down and really tackle and stop the run in those cold. And I, I'm a little nervous about that. So you're, not, you're not feeling good about Philadelphia in the divisional round. 
It's a little different. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, the, I don't think I would be feeling good about that. that. If Jalen Hurts back, no, I wouldn't feel good about that game. No. That's that's probably the you know the most notable one because to see the Packers in the playoffs, I mean, you wouldn't be going to Green Bay, you know. So I'm trying to think of like cold places that you would have to potentially go through to get to the Super Bowl. So I'm thinking Philadelphia. That's it. That's the only one. That's the only one. That's the only one of the top four. San Francisco is not going to be. I guess they could be, but I doubt it. Um, Minnesota will be domed if you have to go there. So that's it. I don't know. I mean, I, odds are the Cowboys go to, uh, smoke Tennessee. I just, you know, there's, there's something about, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a good gut check time to let the defense kind of prove it and shut everyone up for a little bit, right? But just the way they've kind of just appeared, as we said the other night, tired. I mean, that's, that might be the word for it. Just a little beaten down. And that's kind of how I feel about the defense in general right now. So, Cold weather, go stop Derrick Henry, I guess. Uh, go do it, I guess. I don't, I just don't – I don't know that I have a ton of confidence in the Cowboys going and just playing that tough game and then they go, you know, hold them to 17 points and win. I don't know that I see that. Did you not watch this Tennessee-Houston game? Uh, I was on the Red of Zone Of course channel. not. You shouldn't have. Nobody I should have, ever. No reason <laughs> I, to. Absolutely not. I, I had eyes on it on the Red Zone. You know, a lot of daily Why? fantasy sports happening. Got a big lineup there. You want guys – Doing what they Who on do. those two teams did you have on your fantasy team? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. How many uh, yards Derek would Derrick Henry have to? How many r- yards would he have to run for for the Cowboys to lose Thursday night? One hundred fifty. He's got to have that Calvin Johnson three twenty nine game. Three twenty nine, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Corey Dillon. <laughs> uh, I I would say one twenty nine. That's my that's my over under one twenty nine and a half. He went for two nineteen. Hold on. He went for 126 against them the other day. He went for 219 back in October against Houston, the worst team in the league. How how badly do you think they beat Houston when he went for 219, averaging 6.8 yards per carry? How bad do you think they beat Houston? They obviously won the game. 17 to 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but see, that's the thing is, if Derrick Henry has a good game, that's the only way that you can also, I think the Titans can limit Dak Prescott in the offense. So I think that's the... They'll at least be able to probably keep it a, a relatively low-scoring game, at least relative to what the Cowboys have been putting up these last couple of weeks. I think that's the, and then that's their best bet. But you know, I still don't think they win by any means. So, no, no, I don't. Know. I'm picking the Cowboys to win. I'm just nine you know, and a half something. is the line. <laughs> we're to, we're talking. Aren't we talking about playing? How many? I mean, how many times do we have these conversa- uh, these conversations? Playing your best ball as you enter the playoffs. The Cowboys playing their best ball. No. 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 So how do you prove it? I don't know. Going 31 to 13 or something? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't even want to like, it's very strange. The short week to me throws a lot of stuff off because it almost seems inherently you see sloppier football on Thursday nights, um, worse brands of football and things like that. I mean, this thing goes one of, well, this thing goes one of three ways. One, they play well and we're pumped and they don't have to play week 18. Two, they play bad. They still don't have to play in week 18. Three, it doesn't matter because none of these two games matter. They're going to be the five seed, so we don't worry about it, and we forget about it by the time we're breaking down whoever we're breaking down, which is probably the Bucks in two weeks. So maybe none of it even matters. This might be the year 
for playing your best ball at the end of the end of the year doesn't matter. And you know, maybe they give the themselves key, that cushion. They deserve it. What one of the key things will be staying, you know, how healthy can they get through? They got through uh they got through that Eagles game pretty healthy. I mean, there looked like there was yeah. a little little bit that Zach Martin had with the with the right leg, but he was able to overcome that and it sounds like there's nothing notable there. Um you know, Ezekiel Elliott looked like he had to have his right knee looked at on the sideline at one point in the second half, but he seems to be fine. And I bring that up just because, like, you look at Lane Johnson, Lane Johnson being down and and just uh, how big of a blow that's going to be to Philadelphia, you know, and some of the losses that they have in, in that game. You know, this is just a time, especially when you're on a short week like this where you, you know, you're just wondering, hey, can they keep these guys healthy on, on the short week, you know? Uh, I hope so. That's <laughs> the cold weather. Derrick Henry makes me nervous. Uh, Malik Willis did take off and run a little bit last week. He hadn't done that a ton. Uh, he had seven carries, 43 yards. And by carries, you know, a couple of those were just escaping and running. Uh, not a lot of design stuff with him. Um, had touchdown run there. So you have, uh, you have that. It should be an easy win. Um, should be, should be, uh, I, we talked about this the other night. You go and look at the teams that you're going to have to play in the playoffs, though, have two wide receivers, like the Eagles were able to throw at you. Like the Texans didn't have that, so you didn't really have to, we didn't talk about it much, right? Eagles have that with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. It's weird. The Bucks have that, but like Mike Evans looks slower than he's ever looked. Maybe Tom Brady's just having a hard time getting the ball out there uh, a little bit. Um the Vikings have Jefferson and then like sometimes Thielen, you know, and Osborne. Really, uh, Hawkinson's become a huge target for them. So, like, you know, it's not like teams that have like a big – in the NFC, high-flying – and I don't even know what to think about San Francisco. San Francisco is going to beat you by running the ball and just hiding Brock Purdy back here. He's going to put up a line of 16 for 21, two touchdowns and one interception every single week, and that's how they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God, they're frustrating to me. So that defense it's, uh, is just so good. That defense is so good, man. And that's where I want the Cowboys defense to be. And I think that's how we felt they were in uh, October, you know, but it's, yeah. uh, it's hard to hang, you know, it's hard to hang. And, you know, they've, uh, they've avoided a lot of major injuries. You know, they've, they've gotten through it. I know they just got Javon Kinlaw back. So there's some somehow stopping everyone. So I don't know. I don't know. Y'all want to do picks? I don't know. I guess anything well, else I you want to add on the Titans? Not really. No, I, I'll go first. I think, you know, I think the Cowboys, I think they win for sure. I, I John, what did you say the line was? Uh, nine and a half just moved up to 10. Damn. Okay. I'm going to say the Titans cover though. I'm going to say the Cowboys win 27, 27, 20. Okay. 27, 20 sod. The only, uh, well, actually Kent and Sod both picked the Eagles last week. Me and John always sticking with our guns. Uh, okay. I'm going 31-13 Cowboys. I told you get the guys that, that earlier. And then everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, the defense is back. And then they won't have to play against Washington. It won't matter. And then you will get your chance to prove it again against the Tampa Bay Bucks in the wild card round. And they might feature you on the Saturday night game. That's just, uh, just predictions moving forward. Uh, let's go with you, Kent. Yeah, I'll take Dallas by 10, 27, 17. 
All right. John? Yeah, I got the Cowboys. I think they're going to try and run the ball uh, and get this game over as quick as possible. But, I mean, this still is a very good run defense in Tennessee. So uh, I got Dak throwing three touchdown passes. Give me the Cowboys 31-20. to Yeah, offense clicking. Feel good about that. 31-20. All right. There we go. We're all picking the Cowboys. See what happens Thursday night. Uh, hopefully there's no you know, uh, game delays or anything in Tennessee. Had one last week. Had to hold back that game for about an hour. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything football-wise you want to hit before we swing into Sod's top five albums of all time? Pro Bowl Let's get great. into this albums. How about Turpin to the Pro Bowl? Good with that? Everyone happy? I thought it was weird sure. on the TV broadcast. They said he said that he thought he was getting cut when he went into Jerry Jones' office. That's a fact. Uh, we had a conference call with him last week, and uh, that's what he said, uh, that Jerry called him, and he thought because, you know, the way he's been playing that he might be getting cut, and then Jerry at the very beginning brought up his muff punt against the Texans, and he really started getting nervous, and then that's when uh, Jerry told him that he was just messing around that he made the Pro Bowl. But God, Jerry. <laughs> that is in messed a way, up, dude. <laughs> Isn't that indicative of the Pro Bowl and the value of the Pro Bowl, though? Just like you, you can think you're getting cut, but you're actually getting named to the Pro Bowl. Like to me, well, that, that just tells you what the Pro Bowl at means. that position. Yeah, I don't think that you'd be able to call up CD Lamb and say that because he's playing yeah. so well. But for how Cavante Turpin has played, you know, especially recently. I can't sit here and say that he expected or should have expected he was making the Pro Bowl. I was surprised he was on the list when I saw it, to be honest with yeah. you. As like, a starter. Do, right. Like, do I do I think he's a pretty good punt and kick returner? Sure. But I don't, like, think of it as, like, oh, my God, Turpin obviously is going to be the returner in this game. Like, I didn't, you know, I mean, for somebody like that, you'd think that there would be, you know, just a few more bigger plays than we've seen. So, uh, there was a little bit of a feeling of when I when I saw that as man, I'm not saying that this is the only reason, but you'll just never convince me that. And this is the first time in my life that I've ever saw this, but you can't convince me that what a player did in the preseason might have helped to make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that's that might be the only. I, position I would love you I would love that, someone right? to argue with me and say they don't think that that factored in because. I mean, you just look at his numbers, and yeah, they're in the upper echelon, but it's not like he's leading in any categories. We're like, well, yeah, of course, you know, Turpin's going to be in. Like, I mean, I think he's been, I mean, heck, that's been a, a great get for them. I mean, considering they, yeah. he wasn't on the team, you know, a year ago. I, don't get me wrong, nothing against it, but when I saw he was on the pro, I was like, whoa, okay, a little surprising. We thought you might see him a little bit more on offense, and then I think they just did the whole thing. It's like, hey, let's focus on what we're doing here, and let's – you know, catch the ball and let's you know, make sure we're making good decisions, bringing the ball to the end zone, things like was, that. If but, he was making catches in practice, like T.Y. Hilton probably makes in practice, <laughs> I think Cavante Turpin would be on offense and they would just be fine having him do fair catches and not really not really making a game-changing play on special teams. I don't get the sense that those offensive plays are being made in practice. Yeah, and to be honest with you, if there was someone on the special teams that, that, I, that I was going to expect to make the Pro Bowl, it probably would have been Brett Maher um of course jason myers made it for the seahawks over that which is which is fine but i'm just saying brett maher has been really good this year so um he'd probably be the guy that i would expect if if you know one cowboys special team is going to make it no that makes a lot of sense um and the flag football pro bowl is going to be great this year guys 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, okay, Sod, so top five albums of all time. Okay, Don't so be first nervous, of all, man. I can't first, wait to critique the shit out of this. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you really, look, I, I, I think like we, I, I have to lay out the premise first just because, real quick, just because. Oh, here these, we go. These are not like my top five albums of all time objectively. These are my top oh, five albums sure. that I like to listen to that are, that are, that are my top five. So that's you the know, criteria. Yeah, because there's no Beatles on this, and if I was ranking the top five objective all time, like of course I've had the They'd all be I, Beatles. I would have, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd have the Beatles up there. But this, but I don't jam out to the Beatles all the time. Um, so I, I just want to put that out there. Got it. All right. all right, sweet. Okay, so we'll start out with number five here. It's a classic. Here we go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Jody likes this one. His head's his head's bobbing already. Love it. Uh, the Chronic. This is one that Mashoda, I think you almost had on yours, right? Oh yeah, great album. I didn't know you were into uh, old school hip hop. Uh, really oh, yeah. sad. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I meant like, you know, I was gonna put uh, Big in this as well, um, but I know I know John had him, so I was just trying to also diversify a little bit. But um, yeah, I think this this is a this is a very classic jam for me. I love this. Did you hear about Snoop Dogg buying? Uh, I guess I guess it's uh, records. I think it's Death Row or Death Row. And he uh, took all the, these albums off of streaming. Didn't know that. But I have you know, to your, some of them aren't on, on uh, iTunes, so that does make sense. Yeah, I, to be honest, like I was always kind of into '90s hip hop, but I think when uh, uh, Straight Outta Compton came out, that mm. that took, and that was like in 2014 or something, that really took me back to going back yeah. and listening to a whole lot of 90s hip-hop so yeah yeah how old are you son 27 so been 90s the hip-hop for years you're a young gun you've been killing the game for years you're 27 jeez yeah. okay what's number four all right here we go it's really good Is this the Weird Al version or? Oh, <laughs> if that's <laughs> no. the Weird Al, I'm out. I'm telling you this right kidding. now. It's not. Also, just a very classic. I think I think I get into more modern times after after this one, but this is just also very classic. Yes, Thriller, the album. Uh, that one that one would be on a lot of people's top fives of all time, regardless of for sure. Uh, you know, objectivity. I also I think at it's, one point that was the most ever sold record, actually, of an actual record. At one point, it was also the the thriller music video was the most viewed 
uh, YouTube video of all time. This was a long time ago, but yeah. uh, but it was. And I think you know, I think the the social influence on it as well, just the MTV and and everything that it kind of did. Like I, this album was so great. And and honestly, this was probably one of the first albums that I ever really listened to through like all the way through and really enjoyed. So yeah. And, and Saad, you've said that you're always able to separate the artist, uh, <laughs> the art from the allegations of the artist. Um, not always. Like for example, like R. Kelly, I can't. Like R. Kelly, I can't. Um, but because there's a more clean Con- cut, he's been found guilty of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like Kanye, for example, like that. That's a little tougher because yeah. Kanye was so ingrained in the entire just culture of those early two thousands. Um, and he was just so not as crazy as he is now. So I do think I have a little bit harder time like separating him. And then with, with Michael Jackson, like, dude, Michael Jackson died when I was like in fifth grade or sixth grade or something like that. Like, I, I don't even remember the allegation. Wow. That feels like he just the young other day. Old. <laughs> yeah. I was like full on adult at that point. But yeah. Okay. Sad, maybe not that Sad likes the chronic because it literally came out the week he was born. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but no. I, okay, maybe maybe I was a little older when Jackson died. I don't know. Like when? Did, I don't when think did you were die? even born when when the Chronic came out. What year were you born? Ninety four. Dang, mm, that's close. Yeah. What what is the Chronic? It can't be any, any more any longer. I maybe thought it was ninety three. Was it? Is it ninety three? Okay, there you go. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. So I guess I wasn't born. December ninety two. So end of ninety two. Yeah, so I was still two years away. But, yeah, I mean, but with, with Michael Jackson, I just checked. He died in 2009. Like, okay, I was in eighth grade. So, yeah, you know, a little older. But, yeah, still. J- j- the allegations, all that stuff was just stuff that I mostly saw in documentaries after he died. Um, and, and, you know, the hanging the baby off the roof and whatever. I didn't see all that stuff. <laughs> I remember when that happened, man. That was – I remember <laughs> watching weird. that documentary when it when it, it aired. Was what was it called? Living with Michael Jackson. You need yeah. a, you need to go, uh, YouTube that one, Saad. Living with Michael Jackson documentary. Don't. It's just a dude hanging out that. with Michael Jackson for like a week, and it's so and odd. That, <laughs> and that baby grew up to be Kevin Turner, ladies and gentlemen. Now he's on our podcast. Look at that. <laughs> That's how I got my foot in I'm the just, door. I'm just, I'm just kidding. KT actually is on an album cover, and it's that Nirvana one as a baby. Yeah, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> and I sued. Oh, they he went, sued. they went back and found that kid. Yeah, uh, I know. Today, that kid tried to sue. Yeah, he tried to get money out of it. They're like, dude, you, you've been eat, like literally signing autographs of this your entire <laughs> life, and now you want to sue? Okay. <laughs> All right, I think I'm going to throw you all for a loop at this number three. Yeah, here we go. This is oh this is the first, uh, I guess, showing Sod's age pick of the uh, of the list so far. Here we go. Here comes a country record. Oh no way! Ed Sheeran, you do like Ed Sheeran. The yes. NFL loves Ed Sheeran. They'll sell Ed Sheeran merchandise to you all day. Do you have Dude. any of those hats left, KT? I like one. <laughs> yeah, I want one. I actually do. I bought I bought like the ten remaining hats off the NFL store. I think I have one in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get one for Sod. I don't know why I haven't thought about that. Just... Sod and Bobby Dude. Belt, the two Ed Sheeran fans in this Cowboys. I love I mean, he's Sheeran. really talented. I mean, yeah. I don't have any problem with this. Did you go it's to the Ed Sheeran has... concert at, at Jerry World, Sod? What's that? Did you go to the Ed Sheeran concert at Jerry World? 
I don't go to concerts, so I like you know that the only concert I would go to is ever is Bruno Mars. He's the only guy I would go to see in concert. Um, Too many people. What do you? What, what do you? Yeah, like concerts. I, yeah, I'm super claustrophobic. I, I've actually only been to two sporting events in my entire life, like as a fan. One Cowboys game at Texas Stadium. One Cowboys game at AT and T Stadium. That's it. Like, I've How never been to a Mavs a game. You know, it, it's different. It's more about just the amount, the sheer amount of people that there are. Um, but I, sitting in crowds is tough for me. I, I went to, I think we talked about this. I went to the Kanye concert uh, in two, 2014 at the AAC. Yeah. And I walked out and sat in my car while my cousins finished enjoying the concert just because I couldn't handle it. So um, That's amazing. Hear, so hey, yeah. Hearing that, I'm going to tell you this right now. Of all the, the sporting events I've been to, the absolute worst that you would absolutely despise and you wouldn't be able to make it five minutes sit in the lower bowl at uh cameron indoor for a duke game yeah duke because even if you're on even if you're on like the other side with like the parents and stuff everybody is jammed in there you have no room and there's not really any aisles like oh i can just go out here no because it's like it's like a lower bowl of like a high school like gym like there's no if you wanted to go out to use the restroom or, or go get something to eat why the game's going on it would be literally you having to say excuse me excuse me excuse me like 30 times and people would just be so angered with i mean you're just in there stuffed in there uh real time i i I never even thought about it from a perspective like that of not wanting to be in crowds but yeah that you would hate that so much well and here's the thing it's not even that i don't want to like i want i actually like want to it's like you know people are allergic to cats but still have cats and love cats like I'm the same way. Like I want to go to concerts and I want to, but like I physically, my body cannot handle it. Like I start sweating like crazy. I start getting like a, almost like an anxiety attack. Like I just can't do it. So no, I get um, it. I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you just tease that Bruno Mars is going to be next on this? No, no, there's no Bruno Mars album. on okay. this. But, but he, as a performer, he's hmm. the one that I would go, go see for sure. Just, just um, mark on your calendar for ten years from now a Vegas residency. I think that's probably a guarantee that Bruno sure. Mars will end up yeah, there in that. some theater Absolutely. someday, just doing yeah. shows. I can't wait for that. Uh, another, another good one on the list, but surprised me a little bit. Here we go, number two. Number two. Maybe in the show. Southside. This is actually my number one, but I just think my actual number one is so objectively amazing, I couldn't put that at number two. This is what I listen to the most. J. Cole. I like the uh, Forest Hills Drive record a lot. Oh, yeah. That one was big Love it. Dude, so funny story. When Forest Hills, Dra- when Forest Hills Drive was, I was really jamming out to and stuff. Soon after that, the Mavs drafted Dennis Smith Jr. and uh, and he's from where J Cole's from, and uh, and J Cole, yeah, and J Cole would come sit courtside at Mavs games uh, uh, quite often. Like you know, how Post Malone is always there, but like J Cole would come and sit courtside, and that was the coolest thing for me was just to get to sit and like you know get to meet J Cole and. And I, Dennis Smith Jr. and I would talk about Four Souls Drive and Sideline Story. Sideline Story is my favorite album, though. Uh, Mr. Nice Watch is probably my favorite song on that album. So, um, yeah, just a, probably my number one that I jam out to. But but my actual number one is just objectively, I think, the greatest masterpiece in, in, in recent memory for me. J. Cole, one of the, one of the best rapper basketball players oh, right yeah. behind Master <laughs> P. Yeah, I was going to say, don't leave out Master P. <laughs> hmm. 
Oh, oh they're from Fayetteville. Sorry, not R- Raleigh. I yeah, Fayetteville. Fayetteville. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there was a harder like. I heard about him every day and then never heard about him again than Master P. Came back to buy a buy a team. Or something? <laughs> he just like was everywhere and then nowhere. And like the next day, it was crazy. No, he. All right, is that teasing number one? No, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, one. here we go. Number one for Saad Yusuf. Let's go. I think I told you this one, John. Oh, let's go. Best album. I might be too strung out on compliments, overdosed on confidence, started not to give a fuck and stop fearing the consequences. Take care. Drinking every night because we To me, it's the best album that he has. Um, and I love, and I like Nothing Was the Same too. It was good. And it's weird because I think he needed that to really launch his career the way that he did, but he's never going to be able to top it. Like, I, I think Take Care was just the best. Hmm. What are, where do you stand on the new Drake stuff? The- I like it. I'm I'm down with I'm down with Certified it. Certified lover. Yeah, it, I'm like a, it was I like fine. a Degrassi era Drake. Yeah. <laughs> I like this era. I like the Cash Money like early, uh, you know, best I ever had kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I have no issues. I'm surprised. I thought there'd be at least one that I was like. I thought I thought you'd slip one Taylor Swift album in there somewhere. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, Taylor Swift is someone who I believe is very talented, and if she's on, like, I don't necessarily have to switch the channel, but I don't listen to Taylor Swift voluntarily. I thought y'all would y'all would have a problem with the Ed Sheeran album, but I, but I'm surprised that you didn't. So. Oh, no, I do. I just didn't want to say it. <laughs> I don't have a problem with, with Taylor Swift. It's just uh, our friend Megan Murray, who listens to some of these podcasts, thinks I, I just can't stand her, so... If she listens to this one, she'll she'll get a good chuckle out of that. Well, that's the thing is you could the the slightest criticism of, of Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, we did, oh we my god! I mean, it's, it's like it's like you just killed someone. It's insane. It's like, no, yeah, it's not. It's in- how happened? dare I don't you? Like that song. That's all it is. I just don't <laughs> like that song. It's okay that you like it. I don't like that she used a fake country voice on her first two albums. I don't like that, but you know, it's fine. I don't like that she's re-recording all of her records. That's my main one. It's like that's a, that's kind of weird. But. Yeah, if Megan's listening though, I will, I'll say that probably one of if I'm separating the artist and everything, one of just the most impressive works from Taylor Swift that I, that that I would put in in any of them was the All Too Well, the ten minute version. Oh yeah, to have Great. a ten minute song and to to have it flow that way like that was that was definitely a banger like that, you know that's I, a great I, song I that was good yeah yeah but but you go back and listen to the to the song the 3 4 minute one and then you and then you're like oh you made this 10 minutes and and it actually did like I could actually listen to it um that one song is probably the only Taylor Swift song that I, I'll probably listen to well Jake Gyllenhaal needed to be torn down so he got the <laughs> 10 minute treatment right and look yeah. out John Mayer you're next Right, so yeah. just, Prince of Persia wasn't going to critique itself, right? You know, she's going to get yeah, them all. The, I mean, the most powerful army in the world, the most powerful army in the world, or most powerful militia, if you will, is the Swifties. No, it is no, the Swifties. No way, it is. It's it's BTS. It's, it's either not, BTS or Swifties. It's not anymore. BTS. It was the oh, Bayhide. Yeah, it is now the, the Swifties. I, oh, I don't know about I, that. I, I think they broke Ticketmaster, John. They broke Ticketmaster. <laughs> Hey, go go tweet something bad about Taylor Swift, and then tweet something bad about BTS, and see 
Oh, that's a good one too. Why she get? Yeah, that's a good one too. You know what? BTS is a good I'll one too. I, I, I will take back my thing I just said about Ticketmaster because when Beyonce's tickets for her tour go on sale, I think it's pronounced Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce. I, mean, that's, I believe that's what Jerry said. <laughs> well, Buno. <laughs> Bono Buno. That's my favorite one. Damn, Damn that is a good one too. Buno. Hey, what are you let's talking bring this back about? To, let's bring Buno. this back to sports real quick. Who whose crew gets the most defensive in sports? Could be for a player, could be for a team. Um I think LeBron. I think LeBron haters versus I think so fans. Too. I think, I think that, it, that, yeah. Or 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 LeBron LeBron hardcore fans versus Jordan Jordan fans. Yeah. yeah. Never mind yeah. the fact that they're both stupid arguments, right? Like, right. like oh, no one's saying that it, either of those guys suck. So right. fu- funny thing, real quick. For I, I was at the uh, Mavs game yesterday uh, against the Lakers, and before the game, obviously Dirk's statue gets unveiled, and we're talking to Dirk before the game begins. Has that thing and- fell over yet? No, oh. <laughs> it looks but, like it's close. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I so we're it. talking to we're talking to Dirk before the game, and uh, and I think someone just asked like about seeing LeBron still going at thirty eight, whatever, and uh, and Dirk said, I, I'm sure y'all saw this answer. It's been all over social media, but Dirk said, you know, I've always been a Jordan guy. I've, I've always thought, but if LeBron passes Kareem, I'm running out of excuses for Jordan. I'm running out of arguments for Jordan, and that. And like Dirk is, you know, Dirk is not Dirk, trying to this. stir anything up. Don't do this. <laughs> and then Dirk I log on it. to Twitter. I log on to Twitter and just, oh my gosh, every tweet that you see and just see the replies. Like Dirk is the most lovable superstar in the world, and people are just absolutely shitting on Dirk for for <laughs> saying that. And I'm just like, oh god. So yeah, I, I think Dirk. I, I think the LeBron fans versus the Jordan fans is definitely number one. I think. Doesn't it benefit Dirk to say that though about LeBron because he slayed the dragon? He beat him. <laughs> yeah, so, he did. <laughs> I don't know. In his prime. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, yep. I mean, I, you get the same way. It's less extreme, I'd say, talking about quarterbacks and Dak. Locally, is what? definitely definitely up there. You know, Dak after that interception played one of the best games he's played. So. I think that we can all see that, and then we're ramping up towards a heater. You yeah. know what happens when quarterbacks go on heaters, John? Especially when they're coached well, by I, Mike McCarthy. I'll be, hey, I'm, on. I'm on record as saying that I, I'm fine with one a game. So if you even told me in the playoffs he does that exact same thing, throws an interception early, but then plays the way he, do, he did after that in all those games, I still like the Cowboys' chances against just about anybody. Yeah, so I think I I think I'm fine with one a game too, but to me the time matters. I'd rather him throw that pick six against the Eagles than the third quarter interception he had against Jacksonville. Oh yeah, that's why I'm saying it because you get it out of the way. You yeah. have three quarters to overcome it, and as you're overcoming that, you're gaining momentum. And so yeah, no, absolutely. It's kind of like it doesn't happen as much in the NFL, but college football is notorious for some team falling behind like fourteen nothing or seventeen nothing at the end of the first quarter. It's just like. If you're playing a, a decent team and they start cutting into that lead, the momentum that they gain off of closing that gap, I mean that's huge. So um, I can live with I can live with one a game. I really can with the style of ball they play, scoring thirty plus a game with what this defense can do and be in ter- terms of making plays. They should be able to get after the quarterback. Um, 
I, I'll, I'll take that. Obviously, yeah, you, you'd prefer that he doesn't have any any turnovers at all. But I'm saying if you got to yeah. have one, I yeah, mean, you would like him to make the tackle, but hey, it happens. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like like I said, I think like when we think back to Tony Romo's game against the Broncos, again, the timing of it matters because you, you have five touchdowns, one interception, but if that one interception is on the last drive, yeah, that's gonna suck. Like you, you're gonna make your mistake. Make it on the second drive, first, first drive, second drive, first quarter. Like yeah, you got plenty of time to overcome that. Well, and Absolutely. the key is just how he played, right? You know, throughout after that, it wasn't like he just played okay or he didn't turn the ball over and he was just solid. No, he was great after that. So that's what I'm saying. If you're gonna do that, um, yeah, I would take that. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, appreciate the time. Thank you, Sod, for uh, your top five <laughs> albums. Um, I will be out of I town. I can't wait Thursday for KT's. Night. I am. Yeah. Oh, I have to do mine. No, we'll no, do you're it, doing it. We'll do yours. it the week of uh, Washington. Week eighteen. Yeah. Week. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Week eighteen preview. Look forward. to Most that. likely gearing up for a game where hopefully the Cowboys can rest some dudes. Um, Thursday night I will be gone. I'll be out of town. I'll be out of pocket. Side of you around Thursday night. Yeah, I'll be around. Yeah. All right, side. Thank you for covering that for me. Uh, I won't be here, so you guys enjoy the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And then we will reconvene, of course, and get you ready for Washington in Week 18 and gearing up for a playoff run. Will it be a wild playoff run? We will find out. But first, we have to play a Thursday night game. So, for Saad Youssef, for Father John Mashoda, who you should be following all week as we record this episode on a Monday night, make sure that you are following John for many updates throughout the week. And also for our producer, Kent Garrison, I am Kevin Turner. We will talk to you a little bit later in the week on About Them Cowboys.